Hey, it's me, a vegetable. I know I'm not necessarily the most fun thing to eat, but you do need to eat me in order to have health inside of your body. So how about this? In order to make the consumption experience more enjoyable, how about while you're eating me, you listen to an episode of this podcast. Before I continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, the deadline is almost here for you to submit your entries for Raffled Prints. This is our Potterless charity raffle where we are supporting three great organizations and you can win some sweet Potterless prizes if you donate. If you want more information about the charities, how to enter, and what prizes you can get, head on over to potterlesspodcast.com slash raffledprints and it ends in March 2021, so get on it! And speaking of things coming up soon in March, if you are listening to this on the day it is released, March 22nd, 2021, that means tomorrow, March 23rd, 2021, I am launching a Kickstarter project for a new podcast that I hopefully will be making in the future if it gets funded. I will talk about this project at length in the intro of next week's episode when the Kickstarter is live, but in the meantime, just get hyped for that. But if you're listening to this between March 23rd, 2021 and April 23rd, 2021, it means the Kickstarter is live and you can go to the link in the description in the show notes of this podcast and you can check it out and support the Kickstarter. I'm very excited about it. I'm really stoked for it. If you want to see the announcement for it, the second it is live, follow me on social media at shoot. 17 on Twitter or Instagram, S-C-H-U-B-E-S-1-7. And speaking of things that make me excited, we have a bunch of new patrons that have joined our team over at patreon.com slash Potterless. So shout out to Juan Rodriguez, Raymond Barrett, Matthew Kozakowicz, Lily Zeza, Ben Crawford, Anisha Gupta, Becky Trix Lestrange, and Shayna Hume. And of course, as always, a huge shout out to our producer level patrons, Vicky, Christine, Aaron, Clown, Marchismo, Juan, Rosemary, Marie, Lisa, Audra, Eleanor, Nikita, Rachel, Zachary, Alex, John, Noel, Claire, Rory, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Justin, Jacob, Maya, Mark, Polly, Zena, Hardlin, Noelia, Nikki, Kine, Amanda, Kafir, Sarah, Marta, Maya, Floor, Georgia, Skyla, Adele, Professor, Threat, Ellie, Michael, Kelly, Kerry, Connie, Jen, Nedry, Will, Marcos, Marik, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Ginny, Heather, Kevin, Jarl, Peter, Jan, and Callahan, Leah, Bella, Melanie, Becca, Reese, Adam, Joseph, Madison, Tonks, Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, Matt, Okamahime, Boney, Pony, Kelsey, Ricky, Taylor, Megan, Riley, Laurel, Erica, Miranda, Kendra, Natanya, Yogan, Darcy, Sandra, Craig, Leor, Demi, Michelle, Henrique, Casey, Magan, Sat, Jack, Sophia, Dane, Robin, Chick, Mermaid, Daddykins, Gregory, Kawkaw, Nina, Ribbon, Brittany, Gavin, Jack, Serenity, Emily, Haley, Sabrina, Jenna, Laura, Gila, Eileen, Annette, Kirsten, Hufflepuff, Brett, Mary, Artemis, Trans People or People, Samantha, Nina, Tatiana, Taylor, Karis, Vomit Spiders, Tony, Joe, Punkfish, Wire Warrior, Catherine, Joe, Michael, Maya, Jasmine, Nilly, Steamed Nuggets, and Cat Potter, who never hit their heads on a stairwell while filming a promotional video for an upcoming Kickstarter project that they've got going on. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus episodes, director's commentary, monthly live streams, exclusive merch and more, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 169, Nice of Potterless, our final episode, thank God, about The Crimes of Grindelwald, guest starring Dottie James, whose birthday was yesterday. Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of, and this is the last time I will say this on the recording, at least, because we're recording this on February 12th, a 28-year-old man, because I'll be turning 29 in less than a week. <laughs> Happy birthday! Soon, yeah! 28-year-old man currently going through the Harry Potter series for the very first time, read the books, did the movies, now we're doing Crimes of Grindelwald, I'm Mike Schubert, I'm that man, and I'm joined again by our UK correspondent, Dottie James. Dottie. 
How are you in the five minutes since we last recorded? I'm great, but I didn't know it was going to be your birthday so soon. Uh-huh. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, for the time of recording, this will come out way after. Hopefully everyone wished me a happy birthday. And if you didn't, how dare you? But also, like, I've never been like a huge, like, it's my birthday guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It always feels excessive. I'm not a birthday week person. Mm-hmm. I've never was this whole thing about, like, my particular birthday is important. It was always just like, what's the Saturday closest to my birthday <laughs> where my friends are free? Let's hang out. So, yeah, another year older. That's, how, that's the attitude this year? No lockdown, lockdown special? Or? Uh, no. So, Kelly and I do have plans where we're going to, like, order pizza delivery from my favorite pizza place in New York. And she has purchased me some sort of gifts that are just sitting in boxes near our door. So I assume we have some sort of plan, but Uh, not really. I don't know. My birthday's on a Wednesday. What are we going to do? Yeah, such is a pandemic birthday. It's fine. This will be my second um, in in March. It'll be my second lockdown birthday. Mm. I just missed it the last time, but my birthday being February 17th, it got completely washed over because I got married on February 29th of last year. So like my birthday was just like, we were so deep in the thick of wedding planning that Kelly was like, I know it's your birthday, but like, is it okay if we just don't worry about it? I'm like, yes, it's fine. Like, I, we went to dinner with that's my parents, so nice. which was great. My mom's birthday is actually February 18th, so we oh, that's wow. always a fun, like, one-two punch. So we just, like, had a nice dinner, and Kelly was like, is it okay if that's all we do for your birthday? I was like, yes, let's make sure Aww. our wedding works, which it did, and then the world exploded. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but you got a wedding for your birthday. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's what I said. I was like... Look, I'm getting you forever for my birthday, so (laughs) So I'll take it. (laughs) That's so nice. Anyway, Harry Potter. So, yeah, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum of my marriage to Kelly, Mm. one of the worst things that exists, the the crimes of Grindelwald. And specifically, we're here for the worst scene. So this whole scene is just so absurd. (laughs) This is like the most clear example of what you've been saying the whole last episode, is that this should have been a book. Because this is the kind of scene, and even you mentioned the Shrieking Shack scene, which I think is my favorite scene, at least dialogue-based scene, in the entire series. It works so well. It's so incredibly perfect. And those couple of chapters in the Shrieking Shack, those turned me into a fan of Harry Potter. If you listen to the old episodes of Potterless, those chapters switch me from skeptic to, oh my God, I love the series. Yeah. This had glimmers of that and it felt like it was trying to be like that but it just didn't hit and just on principle i did not enjoy and maybe it's specifically because it's a movie that it stuck out more to me as something that i didn't enjoy but use of comma goes on this whole like three and a half minute thing of like here's my backstory here's my deal and here's who you are and then no (laughs) lita lestrange comes in and she goes Actually, you're wrong, and your entire motivation for this entire film that you've been here is incorrect and misguided. Let me tell you what actually happened. And this also could be, like, improv brain for me where, like, yes, and is the core of my being, and I live by it beyond just, like, doing comedy on stage, but also just how I live my life. But this is just the biggest no but ever, and I hated it. Hearing you say that, I think what we should have done with the film is we should have known the whole time, so at least so that we cared about something, like what Karma's motivation was. Like we should have known that Credence was supposedly his stepbrother or whatever, whatever it is, like Lita's brother. We should have known that. It should have been this climax of like, he's about to tell him, like we're about to see him get this information. And then we find out from Lita that like, no, it's actually not you. 
that would have been interesting. But like just getting these two completely different stories <laughs> within seven and a half minutes on screen, which is a long time, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's overwhelming. It's so it's such an information dump. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you bring up a good point. The fact that it's back-to-back is the problem because I don't even think I have that much of an issue of character thinks one thing, character B actually corrects them. That happens in a lot of movies. Yeah. Maybe if Kama said all of this stuff in the beginning to Tina, when he first meets Tina, maybe instead of them having this weird, I don't trust you, I'm going to lie to you and then lock you in a cell, (laughs) maybe Kama just trusts her from the start, tells her his whole shtick, and then we watch the whole movie thinking that this is who Credence is. Yep. And then it actually becomes a plot twist because we've been sitting on, oh, this is who Credence is the whole time. And then Lita reveals it. You're right. That would have been way better. Well, that would be it's, great. The fact that it's back to back is so... It's like whiplash. You get whiplash yeah. from just being like, oh, this. And then, oh, no, not this. And I think what also contributes to the whiplash feeling is that it's not the most simple explanation. No. It is complex. And to have Kama give this whole explanation, you don't get to sit and process this at all. No. You have to, like, put the puzzle together immediately, and then Lita Lestrange comes in and kicks down the table <laughs> that had your puzzle on it and puts all the pieces <laughs> in the garbage disposal. Like, <laughs> Yeah, all the puzzle pieces get mixed together. It's just a nightmare for puzzlers. She's like, we're not doing a puzzle anymore. We're actually playing Jenga. Like, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't... <laughs> there's just... You don't get to sit in this at all. You don't get to realize or think about what it means, and immediately she just knocks everything over and comes in. So here's what happens. We're in the tomb, and Kama says to Credence, he's very angry to Credence, and he says, if I must kill you as I did Corvus, then so be it. And then Lita comes in and says, stop. So Kama is saying this to Credence, maybe Nagini, and maybe Jacob? I'm not sure. But he says, my little sister, which is, I guess, supposed to be this plot twisty deal. Yeah. But then he launches into this backstory because he says that this is going to explain Credence. And of course, Lita Lestrange does not stop him at the start. She's like, well, I guess I should let him say his whole deal. So here's what he explains. His father is Mustafa Kama, and he is a Senegalese pureblood, very fancy pureblood family, much like the Lestranges. His mother is Lorena, who is equally high-bred, fancy, etc., They knew a French pureblood man, also of powerful descent, that was interested in Lorena. And the French guy uses the imperious curse to seduce and abduct her. And Kama, who was younger at the time, he was like a teenager-ish, he tries to stop this from happening, but he gets attacked by Lestrange and she gets whisked away. He then says that she died giving birth to a little girl. That was had between Lestrange and her. This is Lita Lestrange. And this flashback also shows Irma, who we saw before as like the stepmom kind of to Credence. Irma was also caring for Lita Lestrange. So Yusuf Kama's dad, Mustafa, wanted Yusuf to kill whoever Mr. Lestrange loved most in the world. And Kama says that this is not Lita because Mr. Lestrange never loved her, but he says it's Credence because after Lorena died, Mr. Lestrange remarried three months later to a woman that he didn't love, but she gave birth to Corvus and he absolutely loved Corvus. So Kama says that Credence is Corvus 
and thus he's got to kill him. And then Lita says no. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Hopefully everyone is understanding this because I did rewind. It took me like 35 minutes to take notes for the seven minute section because I had to keep pausing and rewinding and turn on the subtitles and all this stuff just to make sense of everything. It was so frustrating. Well done. And it was so upsetting that I was like, I was getting mad at like other stuff. Like <laughs> Kelly did something completely innocuous and I probably snapped at her unknowingly. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry. I'm just so mad. You're like an overworked, like 1950s dad. Yeah. He's <laughs> just like, damn it. I had a hard day at the office. I'm decoding this seven and a half minute scene. The boss <laughs> is breathing down my neck. <laughs> so Lita says no. Lita says that Mr. Lestrange sent Corvus with Irma, who is a half-elf, on a ship to America. I'm not really sure why. No, no, because it said he loved him, so I don't really know why. Also, this was the first time I understood why she looked so different to like other elves yeah. at first when we were watching this. I was like, why does she get to look like that? And then Dobby looks like (laughs) Dobby. Like, that's not fair. But she's a half-elf. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Still a bit confused about how the half-races work because I don't know that that's really explained too much. I guess, like, Hagrid is the only person? I mean, the visuals of it are horrible. Yeah. And also with house elves, it feels especially bad because they are servants. If they aren't free, they don't necessarily have free will, so... Yeah, the uh, the free will thing gets talked about a lot by J.K. Rowling. Like, at first with um, Voldemort's mum and the love potions and how Voldemort got made, but then, like, even in this film with Queenie and Jacob, it's all very... She, like, really goes into some, like, muddy ethically questionable areas there and yeah doesn't really clear them up <laughs> ever right yes this is something that we touched on with robin and bayana in a previous crimes of grindelwald episode is that consent comes up a lot but is never resolved or deliberately addressed as being a problem yes you just have to like trust that the reader knows that it's bad but it feels like especially for children's books that it could have been a lot clearer that hey this is bad and here's exactly why it is bad yes that's exactly it that's exactly it It just needs a resolution and it doesn't have one yeah so mr lestrange sends corvus with irma on a ship to america the titanic <laughs> is it the Titanic? Is it? Is it? <laughs> I don't know. But like that was what I immediately thought when I was watching. I was like, no, she hasn't like co-opted the Titanic for her wizard story, surely. <laughs> so maybe not. Maybe she hasn't. Where did the Titanic depart from? I would assume England. Alexa. Um, no, Southampton. Southampton. Southampton, England. Yeah. In 1912, though, so maybe this was Titanic 2 Electric Boogaloo. She's not good with dates. (laughs) (laughs) That would be the better thing is that she tried to do the Titanic. It was like, oh, that was 1912? Oh, oh, wrong year? Not good with dates. No, I'm I'm actually relieved. I'm relieved that it's not the Titanic. I wish it was the Titanic. I want Jack and Rose to canonically live in the, <laughs> oh the Harry Potter universe. Can you imagine? Because now Titanic is a Harry Potter film. But also, how did that boat sink with so many wizards on it? Uh, well, were they? Maybe they weren't. Maybe it wasn't wizards. Maybe that was the thing. Yeah. Is that they were undercover? Who's to say? They don't explain. So, Yusuf heard that the ship went down, but somehow someone saved Credence. So. Yusuf quotes some prophecy 
And Leta then says that Corvus is already dead because I killed him. And this is her big teary reveal. So now we get the true Leta monologue. This previous storytelling was a little bit of comma and a little bit of Leta. But now Leta launches into her full monologue. So she takes out the book and then it sprouts a family tree. If this is the purpose of the book, why are the evil people putting the book in the Lestrange tomb? I don't know. It's What was the reason for Abernathy and the French woman having the book? Oh, is that the book that they put there? Yes. Uh, I don't know. I You mentioned the book going there, and I was like, I don't remember a book that was, like, important. That's the book? <laughs> That's the book. That is ridiculous. Why are they doing it? I hate it. I actually hate it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's all I can say. The book's useless. It's just like the wallpaper from the like black um, series Black's house. Yeah, and and it's a sexist family tree. That's like mm-hmm. that's it. So Lita launches into this monologue as the tree sprouts, and of course, this tree only records men, and then women are marked as flowers on the tree. Yeah, because that's useful for people studying genealogy. <laughs> Like, <laughs> Why does the family tree have to be a misogynist? I know. What does this accomplish? I think she just wanted to include some like some lines that I'm sure she thought were pretty that Lita says about like the women were separate, the women were delicate or beautiful or whatever. Just really self-indulgent. Like the whole film. <laughs> they could still be flowers on the tree, but also have their names. Yeah. So Lita was sent with Corvus. Irma was going to pose as a grandmother with two grandchildren. Lita was taking care of Corvus. She's like seven or eight, I guess. They don't say her exact age, but she is old enough to start caring for a baby, but not necessarily old enough to do a good job of it because Corvus just cries and cries and cries and cries and cries. And Lita says that she just wanted him to stop crying. So as she's walking around the boat with crying Corvus, she puts him down in a crib and then takes another baby for some reason and then walks away with not crying baby but then immediately the boat is going down so they have to evacuate the boat and she can't get real Corvus back so then there is a lifeboat situation where Lita and Irma and new baby are on one lifeboat and then the other lifeboat has the woman with Corvus also this woman just doesn't look at her baby and recognize that <laughs> her baby know. looks different. You know your own baby, right? Like, <laughs> I, that's a thing. I, I, not every baby looks the same. I feel like if you're a mother, no matter how old the baby is, you know what your baby looks like. Yeah. And the thing is, it wasn't like they go immediately from boat sinking to lifeboats and you would assume that all the lifeboats are in the same place. So you would feel like at some point this mother would see baby that's not my baby and then be like, hey, does anyone else have a baby here? Because this kid's not mine. It feels like there would be time to swap. Maybe there's just so much panic that she didn't look. But I feel like one of your things you would do is make sure your baby's okay. And then you'd say, that's not my kid. Exactly, exactly. I actually have a really big problem with the next bit. So, you know, one of the boats tips over the lifeboat with actual Corvus on it. Then we see the white sheet floating through the water. That is what Lita saw for her boggart in school, right? But my problem is, is that Lita didn't see that happen. Exactly. Because she was above the water. Yes. She didn't see that. She didn't, It maybe in her brain, but like she didn't see it happen. I guess that's what it has to be. It has to be her imagining it. That's the only thing that would make sense because you're right. She's just imagined it very accurately to how it actually happened. (laughs) (laughs) 
So the lifeboat with Corvus on it flips, Corvus dies. We assume. We assume. Maybe Corvus is going to come back in movie three. Who the hell knows? I mean, knows? who knows what could happen in movie three? So Credence now is just some random baby from a stranger on the boat. And Lita says she does not know who Credence actually is. So what have we accomplished in these seven and a half minutes? We've learned that Kama's entire life is a lie. <laughs> and no one knows anything. <laughs> and that Lita's really bad at improv. <laughs> <laughs> so then a secret passageway in the Lestrange tomb opens. And Jacob decides Queenie's got to be in here. So he just goes through it. And it's the Grindelwald rally, and everyone else goes too. Yes. Why? No idea. Um, <laughs> but why is there like a coliseum underneath this graveyard? Like, <laughs> I was just looking at it, and I was like, what is the purpose of this architecturally? <laughs> why is it not preserved? Why is it not a ruin? Why is it not museums? Makes no sense. Makes no sense whatsoever. It's very confusing. Another thing that bugs me about these films is that they could have happened in any major city in the world. And for some reason, they feel the need to hop between, you know, New York, London and Paris. But when they're in either one, apart from the massive Eiffel Tower, it doesn't matter which one they're in. They all look the same. Yeah. So like if you're going to go so far as like to say, I want to explore the wizarding world in Paris now for this part of this film, why don't you have something that's Parisian, like the catacombs that are like really famous that run underneath all of Paris? I was going to say the catacombs feel... Very on brand here. Your whole thing is death and murder and creepy stuff. Exactly. Go to the skull place, man. Exactly. He even uses a skull. Yeah. She that just doesn't use confusing. any of the potential of her own ideas. It's ridiculous. I'm excited for the third one, which I know is taking place in Brazil. So maybe if they make a fourth one. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think, I think, or at least the original plan. I don't know what's going to happen now. But if they ever go to Rome, they could have another Grindelwald rally in Rome. And then it could be like the Lizzie McGuire movie where you have a big concert in the Coliseum. Yes. Ah, and there's like hey now, hey now, a Polyjuice twin. This is what Death Eaters are made of. of Newt Scamander comes on six. <laughs> Sings with him. Oh, it'd be so great. Yes. It'd be very, very good. Paolo, no. <laughs> so the secret passageway opens. The only reason I could see the secret passageway opening is that Grindelwald knows that Abernathy and the French woman are there, but there's no indication that they have alerted him that they're there. And maybe this is the whole reason they did the book thing is like to get them here so that when the rally comes, they'll go, I just... I don't understand it. It's very confusing. And it just feels like very much shoehorning. We have to get all the characters in the rally. Here's a way to make it happen. Don't think about it too much. And that's just it. Don't think about it too much is just like the slogan for this film. Yeah. Crimes are going to evolve. Don't think about it too much. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the in-between film. You can tell between like the first one and the third one. And I have no idea what's going to happen in the third one. So they should have really tried to make this a standalone film, and they just didn't. No. You're right, Pastati. This film did not work as a standalone production. And you know what else doesn't work as a standalone production? Past Mike. You need me. Editing Mike. Hey, it's me, Editing Mike. How's it going, everybody? So speaking of needing me, you need ads so that you can pay bills and stuff. So let's take a little bit of a break for Wingardium Adridosa. Mm-hmm. 
Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Audible. Let's say hypothetically that you are Newt's commander. You're traveling all over the place. You're going from New York to London to France, all over, and you don't have time to sit down and read a book. You want to consume books on the go while you travel. How could you do that? You could do so with Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment all in one place. It goes beyond audiobooks. They've got the largest selection of audiobooks, but they've got things beyond that with their newest plan, Audible Plus. That gives you full access to their popular Plus catalog where you can listen to thousands upon thousands of audiobooks, original audio entertainment, and podcasts, including ad-free versions of your favorite shows and exclusive series. You can also find guided fitness, meditation, and sleep tracks for better rest, and they're all available to download and stream so that you can listen anywhere on any device. Listening to audiobooks while traveling is something that I used to do back when traveling was a bit more normal, and I really enjoyed it. I did a solo trip to Turkey once and audiobooked Tina Fey's book, and I really enjoyed it. It was nice. It felt like I had a companion on my trip, even though I was alone, and it was a nice background listening while I was looking at pretty scenery, buildings, and eating delicious Turkish food. So if you'd like to try Audible, you can get a free 30-day trial if you go to audible.com slash potterless or text potterless to 500-500. That free trial gets you access to audiobooks and all their other audio content, and again, that URL to get a free trial is audible.com slash potterless, or you can text potterless to 500-500. So go to audible.com slash potterless, text audible to 500-500, and start listening to some audiobooks while you try all over the world, Newt, today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the market marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash potterclub.com. Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is slash Bucks right there. Wow. Anyways, that's a real club.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. That's a wild collection of cards for packs in a more transparent way. Whether you're a sports nerd, Pokemon nerd, or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. So Jacob goes in, meets up with Queenie, and very soundly says, let's get the hell out of here. And she is very happy to see him, but then she goes, can we just, can we just stay back a minute and hear him speak? He's such a good orator. It's like, no, he's not. I don't know. But also, this is terrifying. Get the fuck out. So she wants to stay. Tina right away realizes this is a trap, and Newt agrees. They split up, and Newt says that he's just going to try to figure something out which isn't very helpful, but all right. No, it's very like, I'm a I'm a rogue main character. <laughs> and I'm very quirky. So the rally begins. Grindelwald is in the middle of this big circular stage with all of these seats all around him. I don't know, like he's doing a comedy set at Madison Square Garden yeah. or something. <laughs> it's like open air theater. Yeah, <laughs> he's at the Globe. And he is talking way too quietly for everyone to hear. <laughs> Dude is straight up whispering in this giant auditorium. No one can hear him. There's no way unless they all are doing some sort of spell where they can hear what he's saying. But dude is talking so quietly. Yeah, you're so right. And he's not likable in any of this. No. He's so racist. Mm -hmm. He's so forced. Like you said, at the end of this, and I didn't realize until you said it, like, I have no idea what he wants. It's not clear. What does he want? He's just, like, vaguely evil. <laughs> he hates muggles. He doesn't want another war, but he does want another war. Like, he wants to destroy the whole of Paris for some reason. Like, what does this man desire? I know he wants to kill Dumbledore, and I know he's trying to use Credence to do it, but is that it? That can't be it. It feels like he's just checking the boxes of the things that the bad guys in the Harry Potter series have done. It's like, yeah. kind of get the vibe that he doesn't like muggles, but he says that's not how he feels. Kind of get the vibe that he's a blood purist, but he doesn't explicitly say that he doesn't like mudbloods. And then kind of get the vibe that he wants to take over the world, but, <laughs> but doesn't really it. say <laughs> it. But yeah, the only clear, concrete thing we get is that he wants to kill Dumbledore, and it just doesn't make clear why all of these people are at this rally agreeing with what he says. It's like they're presenting you with a pink rhinoceros, right? And that's Grindelwald. And they're saying... This is an incredibly realistic rhinoceros. Like, nothing about this is is bizarre. This is a gray rhinoceros. And you're going, but it's pink. And they're like, no, no, it's gray. <laughs> so, like, they're saying, like, the words of saying that he's enough of a, like, smooth talker is enough to convince you that he's a smooth talker. But actually, they don't show him being that at any point, which we've said already. But I just can't. I can't with it. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> he goes into this monologue, and at one point he starts saying what all of the names for muggles are. He says muggles, nomadges, and then apparently what the French version is, les non-magiques? <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, I know nomadge is bad, and this is basically French nomadge, but les non-magiques. Non and then can't spells. Oh, yeah, he says can't spells <laughs> after. Who said, who, what... What world is using can't spells? That's ridiculous. You can tell this is just such a um, Anglo-centric writer that she's like, English people get the fun, quirky word. Everyone else gets some bullshit version of these people cannot do magic. And we'll just smush those words together. <laughs> the French are so particular with their language and they love their words. Yeah. And the 
closest you can get to that <laughs> is Les, Les Non-Magiques. Non I'm also very upset that he didn't do a German one because yeah. I love that German as a language has the thing where an entire sentence is just one word. Yes. It's my favorite thing. And I'm so upset that there wasn't, you know, some sort, I'm not even going to try, but like some sort of German thing yeah. that when you break it down actually sounds out people who are unable to do spells, exactly. but it's like, you know, some grandiose multi-syllabic German word. I've been thinking about what I was going to say on this podcast for a few days because it's been two years like stewing in my brain. <laughs> and I was thinking about it and I was like, I actually, I can defend Nomadge in my head. And I don't know if you've said this already, but because having done the British quandaries for you, <laughs> we've sort of realized that there's like, England will have a word for something and then Americans will just like, not wrongly, just be like, thing and what it does so like the pavement versus like the sidewalk you guys just like go for like the thing sometimes you just go for the thing that it is and then the thing that it does and it makes sense and it's simple and so for that reason i can understand no match like i'd i'd tidied that away in my head and i was like that makes sense that's not a ridiculous thing to be called we get muggles whatever no match that makes sense for america Lenormagique <laughs> is completely ridiculous, like you said. And I'm so sorry. I just have to ramble about my hatred of this thing. <laughs> it's ridiculous. She's lost her mind. She knows nothing about the French language, which is not true, actually. I think she speaks French, but um, yeah, it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So French people, I guess, say non-magique. Someone says the can't spells. <laughs> uh, that never came up in the first movie. Maybe Australia? May uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. But I do appreciate in the background, right after he says Le Non Magique, someone in the crowd screams, Vermin! Is that what they say? Yes. I couldn't figure it out. Oh my gosh, it's like a Trump rally or something. It felt very much like that. But yeah, just vermin. Le Non Magique. The Magu. Vermin! The Nomadge. I can't spell. So, like, how did Queenie hear that and then just go, yeah, this is this is the crowd for me. This is they want what I want. While she sits next to Jacob Kowalski. He is right next to you. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so the oars then show up at the rally. Feels very Bane Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Theseus orders them to use minimal force since it's not illegal to listen to him. Now, this might be true, but isn't him being in public and not arrested illegal, so yes, just get him. I guess this is like a fine sentiment of like, don't arrest the other people, just worry about him. I guess that's what he's going for. It just didn't feel like the orders had enough urgency here. No. And I guess it's just for the purposes of the movie that you want to see the whole speech being done. Yeah. But I feel like rather than the orders kind of stroll in and calmly just stand there the whole time and then walk down when he calls them out, you could cut between rally going on and orders frantically trying to get in and yes, failing to do so. Exactly. It just felt like they didn't care that much. <laughs> Every single person I've spoken to about this film has a really good suggestion for like tweaks that would have just made the film work. Every single person. And it's like, you can't have failed at making a film that badly that just like regular people can make a film better than you can. I also think this is why people like us and every guest I've had on these <laughs> episodes gets more upset about it is because. The potential is there. Yeah. This is more upsetting than if it was just like pure trash, nothing going on. But there are 
little glimmers of things that you see, ah, if they just did this more and this more and focus on this, like it was there. The ingredients were there. She just made shit stew instead (laughs) of (laughs) like a nice curry. That's so funny you said that. I was going to finish it with she made shit soup. (laughs) So we just went for different (laughs) culinary choices. Simpatico. (laughs) So then Grindelwald does magic skull hookah. Yep. I don't know. All right. <laughs> feels like if Grindelwald did this, Voldemort, who loves skulls clearly with all of his Death Eater oh, stuff, feels like Voldemort would have it. a thousand percent done this. But I guess we need more projection magic exactly. in this movie. We need movie. to be shown exactly what they're talking about. And what it's shown, and this is, I guess, trying to allude to World War II. Yeah, I think it is. It could be a couple of things. Either Grindelwald can predict the future, and he's saying World War II is going to happen. Yeah. Because he shows... War and then a nuclear bomb. Oh, yeah. So either he knows the future or he is just saying, like, look at what happened in World War One. This will happen again. And he's just trying to show, like, similar stuff. Because then it does cut to Jacob who goes, oh, another war. So yeah. it's not super clear. And it's one of two very different things. Yeah, it's not super clear. I think because I was confused when I was watching that as well. Because I was like, those are, like, planes that, that I don't think they had in World War One. Then there's the massive, like, nuclear bomb, which they didn't have in World War One. So it's like, yeah, it's the future. That's really weird. That's, <laughs> that's... A plot hole? Like, that's like, yeah. that can't be happening. And it just feels weird that the beginning of his speech is this whole, the muggles aren't lesser, they're other. But then this part of the speech is, the muggles are terrible. So, I don't know if he's trying to be cheeky about not admitting that he doesn't like muggles, but if a major portion of your argument is muggles are dangerous, go full-fledged muggle fear-mongering. So, I don't know why you're cutting yourself short here. Well, I guess, I guess... I don't know. Queenie shouldn't be there anyway, so he shouldn't have to like cater to her. Like the one person in the audience. Like, yeah, <laughs> know your audience. Well, most of people that we think this is vermin, quote unquote. So I'm still trying to make sense of how how he got there. So he he starts by saying like, yes, they are other. Then eventually, just like to outright, they are bad. Maybe that's her trying to show that he's good. He's a smooth talker. But again, it doesn't work. Like he's she's written this really badly. None of his script is is convincing and his delivery isn't convincing and the actor they've chosen to play him isn't convincing. So none of it equates to understanding why anyone would follow him unless they are an outright bigot. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then he says, there are Aurors here among us and they're all just chilling in the back. <laughs> like when you go to church and you can't <laughs> sit down until yeah. they finish the reading. <laughs> And they're just standing there in their identical, like, massive coats. And they just look so small and helpless. And then they, like, then the one guy, like, walks down the stairs for no reason. Well, yeah, Grunewald kind of welcomes them in. And then Theseus, I guess, gives them the direction of, yeah, let's go down the stairs. So they all start walking down the aisle like you are trying to find your seat in a Broadway show or a sports event where you're like, oh, sorry, my seat's over there. So they start walking down the aisle. And then one of the women in the crowd attacks an auror and then that auror in response just non-verbally uses avada kedavra which i guess attracts because in the first movie the auras were so bad but and and maybe this is a, a bigger sign about police overreaction yeah 
But why are you not using Stupefy? Yeah. What are, are we you, doing? That, literally, it's like, and I was thinking about it as you were talking. I was like, it's, it, I was about to say it shows like weird under training. Like, why is he not using any other spell? Like, immediately to kill her is ridiculous. Especially because before they go in, these yes. says explicitly, hey team, let's <laughs> yeah. not use excessive force on the other people. And this guy just kills this just woman. Just kills her. Just like, outright kills her without speaking which is like even Voldemort says about a cadaver so like whatever yep um, <laughs> this is an incredible wizard apparently yeah it maybe it's a commentary on like police brutality I don't know if I want to give her that credit I think she just wanted like a reason for everyone to be like look these are the bad guys these are terrible aura <laughs> terrible 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 so then Grindelwald leaves the center stage goes up the aisle staircase and tries to comfort this woman make sure she's dead whatever (laughs) the niffler then runs right under grindelwald's foot and does move his foot (laughs) and then later on we see why the niffler was there but i was just angry because this is such serious serious dark broody scene and then oh look our favorite niffler friend is back like yep get out of tie in place niffler come on yep yep and my fiance pointed out that the niffler isn't even sent by newt like, Newt doesn't know that the Niffler has got out of his bag. Yeah. The Niffler escapes when he gets in there. And it's just chance. It's pure chance that the Niffler, like, literally saves the day. Yes, indeed. So then he finishes his speech and just, I guess, tells everyone, go leave. I don't know what the deal is, what the plan is. Oh, yeah. And then they fly away in smoke, which is just, like, not a thing. Right. They apparate differently than everyone's been apparating in the whole movie. They yeah. turn into smoke people and go straight up through the center of the building that they're in. I know. Uh, why, why are they apparating more dramatically? I don't get it. I thought the idea was that only only Voldemort could fly. Yes, but the movies that destroy like that. The movies, they destroy yeah, that. Yeah, they already threw that away. All the Death Eaters can fly, and then the good people can fly, but with white smoke and blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. They just really like were like, okay, we'll just take this idea, and we'll just, it it's fine. It's fine. Everyone can fly. It's fine. It doesn't make any sense, because... People have been apparating this whole franchise, and it looks like the black, goldish, swirly ball thing, which does look pretty cool. It does. And makes sense based on how the books have described apparition. But I don't get why, in this instance, they do it differently. Maybe to show that they're evil? Yeah, they're evil. So, I don't know. It's so so (laughs) wild. So they all start going away. The only remaining people are the Aurors, our crew, and Grindelwald. Grindelwald then surrounds himself in this blue flame and supporters of his, people who are truly loyal to him, are able to get inside. People who aren't loyal die. So Crawl dies. The entire thing of this character, I think his entire existence, having the argument in the beginning of the movie and now this, is just to show if you're not 100% committed, you'll die. I think that's all it is there for. That makes a lot of sense because I was like, why have they established such a story with this man and then just killed him? I think he is purely there for that. So then Grindelwald starts spreading the fire around the room and kills a bunch of horrors. Credence goes inside the fire despite Nagini wanting him to leave. So he is fully committed. He's in there. And I guess because all the villains in the movies have to do this, Grindelwald gives Credence a creepy hug. Yeah. Much like Voldemort did to Draco. I guess that's just a standard practice of evil villains. It's so bizarre. So Queenie is just a fool and <laughs> joins as well. So she she breaks up with Jacob. Sort of like, or Jacob's like, no, 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 you're crazy. And then she joins Grindelwald 
in order to be with Jacob forever, who she's just left? Yeah, it's so <laughs> confusing because the only motivation we have of Queenie, all that we really know, is that she really likes Jacob and she wants to be with him. So for her to go in and then scream, walk with me to him, yeah. and then he doesn't. So I just, maybe she was convinced the only way that they can safely be together is if we are with Grindelwald. But it feels like you would talk with Jacob first because your number one goal should be be with Jacob. Yes. And then if Jacob says, I'm not doing that, then she has to go, okay, I'm going to give away Grindelwald because I would rather be with Jacob and have wizards not like it than yes. not be with Jacob, the entire essence of my character. Yes, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. So she goes in, screams walk with me. He says you're crazy, which is not great. Like this yeah. movie came out in like 2018 or something. We're still rocking ableist language. Yeah. I also don't like the way it's used in the film because early in the film, Jacob starts to say this to Queenie, which is a mean thing to say. And then she gets upset and then he feels instant remorse and regret for saying it. He feels so bad. And now he is taking a determined stance to say this to her. Yeah. Like it's some kind of sick burn, but he doesn't even say it in a sick burn kind of way. No. He says it in a way where it was like the movie was trying to make you think that he said something impactful yeah. or he said something that's supposed to make you go, oh man, oh no. But calling someone crazy is not nice or good or ever justified. No. I, I, I don't know what it was trying to do, but it didn't achieve anything. She also didn't care at that point for some reason. So like if if it's supposed to be something that really hurt her early on, him just thinking it and not even saying it, mm -hmm. then then that's bad. Like he shouldn't be thinking that about her or whatever. But then also the fact that he actually said it, she didn't care. She just was like, I'm already bad now. I'm not like I'm already bad. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So Aurors try to apparate out, but we learn that you can't because the fire just kind of goes up and snatches you before you can leave. So Lita then makes this dramatic goodbye because she can't live for more than one movie because she's not white. So she knocks over the skull to save Newt and Theseus and I guess everyone else. Yeah, I don't know why she sacrifices herself because it doesn't do anything. She says in the vague direction of Theseus and Newt, which is supposed to be this, oh, who did she say it to? She says, I love you. And we're not, I don't even know if we've gotten into how fucking weird it is yeah. that she loves this one dude, is exes with him and maybe still harbors feelings and then is engaged to his brother. Yeah. Super so weird. Bizarre. And in no relationship should that be happening. So, like, so, 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 so strange. Theseus doesn't deserve that. Newt doesn't deserve that. <laughs> no, terrifyingly awkward. So she goes in knocks over the skull. You're right. It doesn't like do that much. It like kind of helps, but not really. It feels like her walking into the fire. I don't know. She goes into the fire. She ends up dying. So Newt saves Theseus because fire starts going all over the place. I guess knocking over the skull allowed them to apparate. It like, it doesn't put out the fire, but it does at least let them apparate safely. So I guess that's what it is. But again, this movie just like doesn't explain that that's what happened. So it doesn't feel initially when it happens like she does anything useful. No. So Newt apparates Theseus out. Yusuf apparates Nagini out. Tina apparates Jacob out and then the French henchwoman just kind of leaves. Yeah. They show her for a bit like maybe she's going to be important in the next movie, but like, she hasn't really done anything except just Grindelwald's bidding. So I don't know why the movie focuses on her and does like a close up for a couple seconds and then leaves. She's another one of the random characters that like seems to just be there to make you go, who's that again? Oh, that's who that is. Like 
That's all she does. Yeah, we already have Abernathy, so I don't know why we have French woman. So if we have the French woman, I don't know why you have to add Abernathy, who wasn't evil in the first movie. Now you decide, oh, he's evil. He was a good guy. He was in love with Queenie, yeah. right? It, like he <laughs> He was her boss at least and it, you got vibes that he liked her. But it just feels like she could have been the whole thing. It you just have like two characters that don't really amount to much. So then Grindelwald says, "I hate Paris," and he leaves. And I guess because he hates Paris, he's going to destroy the entirety of Paris, which doesn't achieve his agenda at all. Yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> that's not going to make people like you. What does this achieve? <laughs> what does this accomplish? I guess he just really doesn't like the city. <laughs> Which is a good city. Again, like just the least charming move he could have pulled. Like that's not going to make Parisians want to hang out with you. And yeah, and at least when Voldemort destroyed stuff, he was killing muggles when he destroyed a bridge. And it was just a bridge. Grindelwald just wants to destroy Paris? Don't like all of his people that were just at that meeting live there? Exactly. What if everyone (laughs) apparates home and then immediately he kills them all? I don't know. It was very confusing. They just wanted to show off their CGI budget, I really think. I think that's what it is. They were like, this fire thing counts as a beast. We got to hit the beast quota. So... Nicholas Flamel shows up while the fire rages out of the catacombs. He explains how to put out the fire so that Paris isn't destroyed. So they all have to stick their wands into the ground. There is so much more using your wand as a prop in these movies. I don't remember any other instance of using your wand as not just the way in which you conduct a spell. Yes. It's strange that Newt holds it up to his ear and then they stick it on the ground. But apparently what they have to do is stick their wands in the ground in a circle, and then all say finite. Yes, and it doesn't really do much. Yeah, um. <laughs> kind of makes a big orb, and then a red fire. So the red fire is good fire, and the blue fire is bad fire. And this is just something I, I realized at this point. I just put in my notes. They call Theseus Scamander a war hero. Yeah, they did. What war? The First World War, I think. Was he in the Muggle World War? Yeah, I think or that's was the he in the Wizarding World? So this dude was like Wonder Woman, where he's I just guess. like in the war. Why did he go? The general, really subtle flavor they give is that wizards did help in the First World War because I watched uh, Fantastic Beasts in prep. Dedication. Newt Scamander like briefly says to Jacob that he was also in the war but he mostly worked with like dragons to help the war. So we're supposed to imagine somehow that wizards helped in the First World War. But were secret the whole time. Yes, but was secret the whole time. Cool, cool, cool. JK just reckoning world history. I know. And it's like, you're about to head into World War II, which has like all sorts of things that wizards could have prevented. Like, do you really want to go there? Do you, do you really, really want to? I mean, maybe JK doesn't want to stop the war that's about persecuting people for point. no good reason. But she's like, ah, man, the first world war, countries fighting, wizards can step in. She's the worst. Entire race of people getting persecuted? Nah, we're not going to step in. We're wizards. Well, yeah, like she's, she must have been like, they can't reveal, you know, the secret society, even though in the first film, they're just like, fuck it. We're here. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I think they fought in the first world war. Yeah, that was my note. I was very confused. (laughs) So Newt retrieves the Niffler, who stole the little blood oath keychain, and The fires work. They get rid of the big blue evil fire dragon that it becomes. And then we cut to Nurmengard. And Credence is just chilling alone in this big house room with glass windows that take up the whole room. It's very pretty in the mountains. And Queenie, who I guess just replaced the French woman. Yeah. uh, She is just now Grindelwald's right hand man. Out of nowhere. She says to Grindelwald that Credence is, quote, unsure of whether or not he made the right choice. And Grindelwald then goes up to him 
gives him a wand, and then we cut back to Newt and Dumbledore. Newt asks about the blood pact, and Dumbledore reveals that they swore not to fight each other, and Newt says, can you destroy it? And Dumbledore says, maybe. Now we cut back to Grindelwald. Grindelwald tells Credence that he's Dumbledore's brother. Yeah. Boo. Or he's a Dumbledore, at least. So that's ridiculous. The little bird that Credence had been feeding seeds to earlier is actually a baby phoenix. That's very convenient. How convenient. Very, very convenient. (laughs) I don't even think Credence knew this. He just liked having a little (laughs) bird pet. Didn't realize it was a very important bird pet. So this is supposed to make more allusion to the prophecy that a phoenix would come to a Dumbledore in dire need. And then this is where Grindelwald calls him Aurelius Dumbledore. And I believe we'll have to learn what happens in the movie. I am of the belief that this is just Grindelwald lying to Credence to trying to get him to to do his bidding because it makes no sense in any world that Dumbledore would not say this. Dumbledore, we know, master of secrets, creepy, leave out information guy. (laughs) He would not give the entire family backstory that he does in the seventh book and just conveniently leave out that he has this brother who killed a bunch of people and destroyed a bunch of stuff and was heavily involved in the Grindelwald story, mainly because Dumbledore goes so in-depth of Ariana and Grindelwald and all that, to not mention Credence would be wild. So I think that this is just Grindelwald lying. It has to be. that. There's literally no way. I've just read other like fan theories of people saying there's actually just no way that he is his brother. There's just no way that it happens. Yeah, it just, it can't, it, it can't be possible. Cannot it be possible. just cannot. So I'm not on the edge of my seat to find out whether he's his dumb. Not at all. And that's the thing is this movie leaves you with this cliffhanger that I have not talked to a single Harry Potter fan, one that is well-knowledged in the series, that believes it. Yeah. Every single Harry Potter fan that I've talked to is like, nah, it's it's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just so, it's just so weird to have something that you think is this cool gotcha oh shit moment. And universally, everyone that I've spoken with says, no, he's just lying. No. It just doesn't make, it just can't happen. So it's like, at least pick, there's no Ludo Bagmans in any of this. Like you just, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no like, oh, maybe it's this person, but actually it's this person. It's just, I have no idea what's going on any of the time and I don't feel clever and it's not fun. <laughs> it's not It's not fun. It's not good. So the final scene of this movie is Credence with his new wand. Credence, who has never used a wand, yep. takes the wand and just does vague spell that <laughs> takes a big chunk out of a mountain yeah. and then I'm assuming causes either a mudslide or an avalanche or something. Yeah. Nonverbal spells are supposed to be very hard. Credence doesn't know how a wand works at all. And the first thing he does is nonverbal incantation to make a giant gust of air destroy a mountain. And that's the end of this film. How fitting. How fitting. It's terrible. I think we used the word ridiculous about 80 times. (laughs) I think with these two episodes, I especially. I'll have to see. We have transcripts for every episode of Potterless. They come out eventually. For anyone, if you didn't know that, you can go to the website. We have transcripts. I will have to, at some point when our transcriptor, Crezia, finishes them, I'll have to control (laughs) F and get a thesaurus and just see how many times we said absurd, ridiculous, makes no sense, any sort of synonymous thing. Because I think I think I'm gonna have to call up Guinness. We broke the record for like in an hour of audio <laughs> most times. It's just, it. it's just, uh, it's like we both would consider ourselves fans of 
the Harry Potter franchise. Mm -hmm. And for people that already like what you've made to hate what you've made this much is just ridiculous. It's not even in the like toxic way that I've heard that the Star Wars fandom or other fandoms can sort of get. Yes, I was just going to say that. It's not born out of this isn't Harry Potter and that's why I don't like it. It's born out of like, this could have been great and you've messed it up really badly. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it is. It's the potential and it's the fact that By being a prequel, it's starting to ruin established things in the series that we really like. So not only is it confusing, but it's starting to make things in the series that we enjoy start to make a little less sense. It's very Very confusing. confusing. So that is the end of our coverage of Crimes of Grindelwald. I'm very excited. I think this is the last J.K. Rowling had a hand in thing I'll ever do on the podcast, which is good. (laughs) It's nice. Don't have to worry about her anymore. But Dottie, thank you so much for joining along for going on this journey through this garbage <laughs> film. And I, 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 w- I couldn't think of a better person to, to close this ch- chapter with. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm uh, honored. If people want to find you doing stuff, where can they do so? Um, you can find me at Dottie James, which is D-O-T-T-I-E James on Instagram, Twitter, and on Patreon, where you can find my writing. Well, Dottie, thank you for joining listeners. Thank you for listening. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, before they cast a giant gust of wind to destroy a mountain for no good reason. <laughs> That's so great. Wizard on! Hello, there's very exciting things happening for Horse, one of the other podcasts that I am a part of. Horse is having a live show on April 1st. I promise it's not an April Fool's joke, it's really happening. And Horse also has a bunch of new merchandise. So if you head on over to multitude.productions merch, you can see that new merchandise. And just make sure you're following me, your horse, on social media to see all the information about that upcoming live show. And listen to that podcast wherever pods are cast. Potterless was created by Mike Schubert. It is hosted by Mike Schubert. It is edited by Mike Schubert. It is produced by Mike Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Christine, Aaron Johnson, Klaus Rilo, Bumar, Chismo, Juan Sanfeliu, Rosemarie, Dodge, Maria, Lisa C. Keen, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Nikita Power, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Alex Consolver, John Cocker, Noel Basile, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Marklu, Justin Montero, Jacob Parrish, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Zena Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Nikki Harris, Kine, Amanda Alfred, Kafir Shaltiel, Sarah Shetter, Marta Morrison, Maya Flor Sake, Georgia Davis, Skyla Lilly, Adele Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Hoskovchova, Michael David Yordi, Kelly O'Toole, Tilio, Kerry Crumpler, Connie Binkowski, Jen Went, Nedry OS, Will Huser, Marco Zapeta, Marie Rieger, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, Heather Langeel, Kevin Stewart, Jarls Fiven, Peter McGrath, Jan and Rose Daub, Callahan and Darius, Leah Reed, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Becca Spry, Reese Dignan, Adam Graham, Joseph Torp, Madison, Don't Call Me Nymphadora, Sabrina Balsiger, Sophia Loves Pigs, Farzan Jarabat, Melanie DeGrave, Matt Barger, Okamahime, Bony Pony, Kelsey Gillespie, Rike Mangor Jensen, Taylor Payne, Megan Moon, Riley Kitas, Laurel Happy, Erica Butler, Miranda, Kendra Hertz, Natanya Page, Yogan Shanley, Darcy Alexandra, Harrison, Sandra Rose, Craig McRoberts, Lior Nachum, Demi Lynn, Michelle Spurgeon, Henrika Wolf, Casey Canales, Megan Stempen, Zat, Jack Gitzes, Sophia Leone, Dane Nemcher, Robin Garcia, Chick Parr, Mermaid and her Daddykins, Gregory Hughes, Caw Caw, Mother Feathers, Nina Jazalik, Ribbon Monstrosity, Brittany Harper, Gavin Miller, Jack Parr, Serenity Allen, Emily Quinlan, Haley Hastings, Sabrina Casanova, Jenny Browers, Laura, Gila, Eileen Gazesh, Annette Pipitone, Kirsten R. Cunningham, Hufflepuff alumni, Brett Clausen, Mary Price, Artemis, Trans People are People, Samantha McNamara, Nina Campley, Tatiana Schmitova, Taylor Roberts, Karis Davies, Little Vomit Spiders running around. 
Brown, Tony Joe McHufflepuff, Punkfish, Wire Warrior 4976, Catherine Carolchak, Joe Sander, Michael PV, Maya Saunders, Jasmine Ellis, Nilly, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Web design by Kelly Schubert, and the music is by Bettina Campamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can at Facebook.com slash Potterless, Twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, Instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, and Reddit.com slash R slash Potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to Potterlesspodcast.com. Bonus content lives at Patreon.com slash Potterless. Merch lives at Potterlesspodcast.com slash merch. And information about our charity raffle is available at Potterlesspodcast.com slash raffled prints. If you want to tell someone about the show, you think of someone who might like it, shoot them a message and say, hey, there's this podcast called Potterless. I think you would like it. Or you could post about it on social media or leave a rating interview online. All of those things help. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on! Wizard on!